Live with CDP, a weekly sports and entertainment podcast, live on YouTube, Facebook Live, Twitter, and on audio via Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Now here's your host, Chris Pame. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of Live with CDP Sports Talk, sponsored by Barry Cullen Chevrolet Dealership, 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out barrycullen.com for their newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles, or give them a call at 519-824-0210. Tell them that CDP, a.k.a. Chris Pame, sent you there as well. And also, guys, you can now order pre-order your all-electric vehicles, such as the uh, Cadillac Lyric or the all-electric Silverado as well. And as for now, uh, the parts and service department will be open at Barry Cullen on Saturdays from 8 to 4 p.m. until Christmas season. And I want to say thank you again to Mark Cullen for um, – uh, sponsoring live with CDP Sports Talk as well. Again, brought to you by Barry Cole and Chevrolet. Live with CDP Sports uh, Podcast is now available on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and also on LinkedIn today. So I'm on four platforms today, and after the podcast, I will download this to my uh, 14 audio platforms as well. As as you guys know, I'm looking forward to my guest today. It's his third time on my podcast show in the last year. His name is Edward Ford. He's a news producer with Fox 61 in Hartford, Connecticut, and he's a huge Washington sports fan. And we're going to bring him on and talk about the Commanders-Giants game, uh, a little bit about the Capitals and Alexander Ovechkin hitting that 800 goal mark, and also uh, maybe a little bit about the uh, Washington Nationals who had a tough season this year and what they can do to improve upon uh, the 2022 season as well. Bear with me, guys, and I'm going to bring on Edward Ford from uh, Fox 61 News in Hartford, Connecticut. Good afternoon, Edward. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Chris? Good. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. You're welcome. No problem. It's a big NFL weekend. I mean, we got four weeks left. and you, you, you know as well as I know, this is playoff stretch, you know, playoff stretch for teams that are, and barely in, or some teams that are on the outside looking in, or some teams that control their own destiny from here on out. And to honor you for coming on, I had to put the uh, Washington Commanders. I still almost call them the old name, but I had to put them on there for you. Hey, I got to ask you, uh, Edward, obviously it's a big game Sunday night. I met, or It's in Washington at FedEx Field. Sorry, they were at MetLife a couple weeks ago. What is the status on Chase Young? Is he going to be playing in this game along with Carson Wentz? So Carson Wentz, actually, according to um, Ron Rivera, is going to continue to be the backup to Taylor Heineke until further notice, meaning if Taylor Heineke can't go or something happens between Friday and Sunday or, God forbid, something happens in the game on Sunday, Carson Wentz will remain the backup. So for those of you who wanted Carson Wentz back because you feel like his arm is better than Taylor Heineke, I know we've been in a mix here where Taylor can scramble. Taylor can, you know, do this and do that, but he just can't throw the ball. I agree with their frustration there. When you miss open receivers, that kind of cost them the game in, in New York last week. Um, there was a few passes he missed that I do agree that Carson Wentz can hit, you know, just because of his arm, but it's the scrambling ability that 
Carson Wentz seems to have regressed on that he doesn't have anymore is the why they're not going with them. But right now, Carson Wentz remains the backup. Now, as far as Chase Young, I feel like they keep throwing the questionable um, mark on him because a they don't want teams to prepare for him. It's 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 going to be it's going to be hard regardless when Chase Young comes back. In my opinion, I don't expect him to come out and have this, you know, this game where he gets five sacks or two sacks or three. Like if he gets one sack, that's good. It kind of pumps up the defense. But I think just having his his um, ability. Ability in the lineup, I think just knowing that he's a factor in the game changes things for teams down the road. And I think that that's all they really have to worry about right now is if he's on the field, we have to prepare for him. Without him on the field, people still can't prepare for Allen and Payne. They still can't prepare for Montez Sweat. So if you think about the ability of bringing a Chase Young back to the defensive line that's been, in my opinion, damn good with just three of them, you add one more solidifying piece, and this defense could be unstoppable. I mean, if you look at the San Francisco 49ers defensive line, yeah. with everybody healthy on that line, they're formidable. They're unstoppable. Yeah. Washington is ranked number four right now, even after the bye yeah. week. They didn't play, so there was no yards to count against them. But they were already in, like, the top five before the bye week. Now they're number four, and they have a, they have a chance to really make a name for themselves with Chase Young. Um Potentially, in my opinion, I think he is coming back. I mean, I think that's why they held him out in the Giants game last week or, you know, two weeks ago to give him really three weeks to prepare to get ready. Um, so I think if he's back, and I think he will be, um, I think this defense is going to take all four weeks before the playoffs. And I think Sunday night is a huge game. It's a really, really huge game. Um, I was supposed – it's funny, I'm going to tell you this. I was supposed to have my like my like one of my final doctor's appointments before I go back to work. That got moved to Friday, so of next week. So I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm already in the Maryland area. Do I go to the game? Do I drive back home? Like, I'm excited because I'm like, I thought that I would have to go back home Sunday and be home for my 11 o'clock appointment. But now it's like, no, it's Friday. Like, I don't have to go home. If I really wanted to spend that money, I can go to the game regardless of the end result. But then I've also told people in the past, like, I don't want to spend money on this team until – Dan is gone and until they actually make it to the playoffs. So it's like either I live up to what I've told people or I say the heck with it. I'm throwing out the window and I'm going because it is the biggest, it's the biggest game of the franchise history with the new name. It's a new name. I was going to say, you think this game will be sold out at FedEx for out? So I don't think it'll be sold out. There's that really hasn't been a sold out game in a long time. But I do think, I do think, one, we know away teams travel very well when it comes to FedEx Field because of the way that the, the franchise has been ran the last couple of years. Yeah. But I think, like, um, Deron Payne and, and some players, like, giving away free tickets to fans and only our fans, I think it's starting to show to them that they really care about this organization. They really care about the fan base, and they really care about winning. And they want to bring back a playoff atmosphere at FedEx Field. They want it to be loud. They want it to be a crowd. Um, they're wearing their burgundy, you know, the all burgundy um, jerseys and stuff. I honestly personally thought they would have gone with the, the the black jerseys. You know, the black jerseys are kind of like what people, a lot of teams call funeral games, where yeah. it's supposed to be like you're supposed to beat up on a team and end a season for a team there. Because honestly, with the Giants as a seventh seed, this is do or die. They, they cannot afford to lose this game because, Regardless, right now, the way that the Seahawks is playing, Washington and New York can actually make the playoffs and have the entire division in the playoffs. And, Chris, I know you and I talked about this, you know, 
the last couple of weeks. You thought 11 wins would take it. I thought 10 wins would take it. Now it's down to the point even nine wins would get two teams into the playoffs. You know, you said it. I'll give you credit. You said it. The the Lions are a team to watch. They are a team that's up the rear. This is why this is such a big game for both teams. One of these teams lose and the Lions come mess around and win against the Jets and they're at 500. Yeah. Now they are honestly right there for the taking between the six and seven seed. And then it's definitely going to be down to who do, who really wants it, the Giants or the, or, or the Washington Commanders at the end of the season for that last spot. However, I just think that the Commanders have a better overall offense than the Giants. The yeah. only thing the Giants have is Daniel Jones running on us, which he does every game. But we have we are like top 10, top 15 and rushing, you know, defense. We can stop the run. And I believe, in my opinion, we stopped Saquon Barkley, even though he scored. We stopped him enough to win that game two weeks ago. We have to do that again, but we got to find a way to bring Daniel Jones down. If you bring Daniel Jones down and you make him feel like he was against the Eagles last week, they are going to win that game convincingly if that's the way he plays. I have some news with the Jets-Lions game. Mike White, who's got broken ribs from the Bills game, uh, Zach Wilson is starting. And uh, to be honest, I don't care if this game's at MetLife Stadium or not. The way the Lions are playing right now and the Jets having Zach Wilson in instead of Mike White, I really think that's going to be a, a win for the Lions. And the Lions have a very easy schedule at the end of the season uh, with the remaining opponents. I think the Lions could very well go 9-8. and eight. So there could very well be two to three teams that are 9-8, and eight, and you're going to see a team with a winning record miss the playoffs this year in the NFC. Yeah, and, and this is why I told people that, um, look, I, I think the Lions are going to win three out of the four games. I feel like there's yeah. one of those games there they're going to walk in. And, you know, every team has almost Dallas had it last week. Uh, the Lions are going to think that one of these games is a cakewalk, right? Yeah. Every team runs through those type of schedules. Oh, it's four games. Look at the teams. Oh, Zach Wilson starting. We can't forget the Jets have one of the best defenses too, though. So That's true. You have the Lions defense. You have the Jets defense. The Jets defense is on. Zach Wilson doesn't need to be a new Zach Wilson. He just needs to do enough, okay, to win that game. What what I mean by that is don't put the ball in his hands, but run the ball, run the ball, and when you get to the goal line, maybe do some scramble plays for him or something, something that's easy where he doesn't have to use his brain. Um, But this is where that tie is going to actually, and I hate to say this because this this is something that I I don't like ties in football, number one, but – I think that the tie is going to help one of these teams because at nine, seven and one, you would actually have a better record than the Lions at nine and eight. That's true. That's and true. At nine, seven and one, whether it's the commanders or giants, somebody's going to be that six seed. If the Lions really finish at nine and eight, to be honest right now, uh, Washington has played well since their one and four start. The Giants started out six and two. The Giants have been one, four and one. And right now, personally, I'm not a Giants fan. Obviously, I can't stand them. But right now, the Giants don't deserve to be in the playoffs the way they're playing. And uh, to me, it's not how you start the season. Look at Washington. Look at Detroit. It's how you finish it. And to me, the way the Giants are playing right now, they absolutely do not look like a playoff team. No, they don't. Um, and, and that's why I keep telling these Giants fans that you saw, Chris, like I don't see the dancing in the locker room no more because you won so many close games at the beginning of the season that you yeah. honestly could have actually lost too. Like, let's not look at these games as in, and I get it, Brian Dibble has done a great job at coming in and turning that franchise around. Don't get me wrong. I give him so much credit for what he's done. But you know the, you know the saying, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. 
like so many teams start off so fast. And and I know you told me this too, Chris. Even though the Capitals lost last night, they're still one point away from a playoff spot. Like for how bad they've been playing throughout the season, they are still a formidable playoff team. And I didn't think that I'll be talking about this today because they were like the, the bottom three, bottom four teams out of the whole East. And all of a sudden they went on that five game winning streak. And again, they lost last night, but still they're a team that you still have to watch out for. Cause they've been saying on ESPN NHL network, the second yeah. the Capitals get healthy, they have a chance to get back in the Metro and get into the playoffs. And they are that veteran team that can do something. It's the same thing in football. Yep. The giants have done great at the beginning. It's about how do you go from the beginning to the end? I'll use your team for an example, the 12 and one. They didn't. Yep. Okay. Washington gave them their first loss. Okay. Wow. Yep. Great. But they we went didn't out play good enough. Yeah. You guys, credit to you guys. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, so I was just saying, like, if you look at the Eagles, like, they're the only team, in my opinion, between the Eagles, the Vikings, and, like, the Bills and teams like that, and even, like, the Ravens, who are 9-4, and four, those teams are actually, like, kind of finishing the season the way that they started. Yeah. If you don't, if, if you, if you wind up like the Giants, where you have 1-4-1, one, and one, Washington is 6-1-1, one, and one, and their last, like, what, eight games, it's like, you have to kind of go with the, and, and it's funny that a lot of, networks a lot of these national networks are starting to gravitate towards washington they're starting to take you know believe in them and say washington's got this game washington's got this game washington and it's and it honestly was after they beat the eagles when they beat the eagles that's when people really started taking them serious yep that hey that was a that was a huge win that was uh, a win against one of the top teams in the nfl if not and it was in philadelphia where the eagles don't lose too often and i agree with you on that uh edwards uh, edward as well and uh like you said, it's not how you start to see that it's how you finish it. And Washington is on a strong street right now. Same with the Detroit Lions and even the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers with older injuries uh, are now what? 10 and four, uh, 10 and four. Uh, Edward will be back. Yeah. The Niners have a very good defense. My concern with San Francisco is teams are eventually going to figure out Brock put putty. Uh, I'm not putting him down. I think he's been great. But eventually they're going to have video footage on him as well. And I, I think the Niners are a good team. But my concern with them is the injuries. And also um, you're putting a lot of pressure on this uh, kid, uh, Puddy, to lead this team in the playoffs. I think San Francisco won their division. So they're going to get one home playoff game. But I, I cannot see them going past winning one playoff game, in my opinion. If they were healthy and they had Debo Samuel back, and uh, and they had Jimmy G or even Trey Lance back as a quarterback, I think that'd be fine. But San Francisco is going to be a tough team, but they've also played a lot of bad teams as well because the NFC West, let's face it, other than San Francisco, Seattle's not very good now. Seattle started out well, but they've gone right down the toilet, and Geno Smith has gone back to what he was doing before, taking sacks and turnovers and stuff. Not blaming him for their losing streak, but uh, to me, the NFC really only has maybe four or five really good teams right now this year, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, here's the thing with the with the 49ers. They, they have, like you said, they have a quarterback that's playing. They have no tape on it. I think they're making things easy for him a little bit. You know, run the ball, run the ball, don't have him. Because, you know, when it comes to quarterbacks like him, he was Mr. Irrelevant. You cannot have a quarterback like him have to throw the ball 35 times. You can't do that. It's kind of like that recipe for success that they gave to Daniel Jones. 
where like, okay, we won't have him throw the ball more than 20 times, really. You know, we're going to put the ball in Saquon's hands. We're going to do end arounds. We're going to do scrambles. We're going to do jet sweeps and all that stuff. At some point, teams catch on to that. And that's not going to work for 17, 18 weeks now. Um, and I agree with you. Here's the team to watch out against the 49ers. The 49ers play the Seahawks one more time. I don't think the Seahawks can even beat them twice. Oh, well, actually, no, I'm correct myself. They already played them. They beat them both times. So now that's why actually why they won the division. So therefore, the 49ers down the road, I think the only tough defense they actually have to play is Washington. And that's coming up in two weeks. That's going to that be a good game. Chase Young back, I'm telling you, it's going to be different because they know that's a rookie quarterback back there. You know, Jack Del Rio is pretty good when it comes to rookie quarterbacks. I'm sorry, but he just is. And if he knows that I had Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, and Jonathan Allen all back on my defensive line, I don't even have to blitz like that. I get a little upset at him when he doesn't blitz. I feel like there's times where, like, if you got all four or all three of those on the field and you should be sending two people, two, three extra people, do it. Pressure the quarterback, especially the ones that aren't great. And I think Brock is going to be one of those guys that's going to face a great defense. We're number four overall as a defense. And I think the 49ers are number one, if I'm not mistaken, maybe number two. So you got two great defenses going up against each other. That's going to be a fight. I do not think Mike Shanahan is going to come in and blow us out. If they even win, it may be like a 27-20 or 27-23 game because you're going to have some defense. You're going to have two both defenses out there. And even though they got Trent Williams, that don't mean he could block everybody. You know, so – it's to, it's going to be a good game. But right now, I think for Washington, they just got to focus on the Giants, beat the Giants. If you beat the Giants, I think that I think if they beat the Giants, they could run away with that six seed. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I really think uh, I think a win right there against the Giants Sunday will cement a playoff spot for them. But um, I'm going to tell you this. The Giants lose this game. I think they can. Uh, I, I cannot see them making the playoffs if they lose this game to Washington Sunday night. The way they've been playing the last month and a half, and well, this would be their. Think about, think about this: they got to go back and play you guys again. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why it's not easy for them. And then they got to play at the link. That's why I was like, the Giants cannot afford to lose down the stretch because they got too many hard games, and every game means something for them. Every game. Yeah. After the Giants, they got the 49ers. Okay, they're a playoff team. But are they going? Are they really going to force their players to be out there now that they solidified at the minimum the division? Like they're going to start to take it probably a little easy and understand that we have to have our players ready for the playoffs. We we got the Browns. Nobody's taking the Browns serious right now. Even with Deshaun Watson back, they haven't looked good. That's true. I got to say something to you also, Edward. Let's say the Eagles beat the Bears Sunday, which I'm worried about because it could be a trap game. They got to take on the Bears Sunday, which they should win, and then they got to go to Dallas. And I'm worried that the Chicago game could be a trap game because Dallas is coming up. But if the Eagles can focus and beat Chicago and Dallas, they'll win the NFC East. They should get the number one seed. Their last two games are at home against the Saints and Giants, and that could be in the Giants' favor because if the Eagles clinch the number one seed in the NFC East the next two weeks, they won't have anything to play for those last two games, and and that could uh, hurt as well, help the Giants possibly. So so I think, okay, so the trap games are, are a big one because I'm, I'm like you. you. You look at the schedule and you go, okay, that's a W, but then you have to revisit it because you're like, well, it's a W, but teams still play. They're still professionals that are put on the field yeah. regardless of what that record is. And I think the Chicago game is a trap game because if you look at the way that they played the Cowboys, they they got beat, but they didn't. But they they still put up what twenty something points, thirty points at that game. Twenty eight points, yeah. Put up points, 
and if they have Justin Fields out there, it's just like having uh, it's just like having you know, um, it's just like having your quarterback out there, Jalen I mean, Hurts. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. It's another yeah. Jalen Hurts. Like you, you still have to worry about the running ability. Um, yeah. you but know, they don't have they don't have the weapons on offense like uh, Hurts does with Philadelphia. But Fields still concerns me, and they have to try to contain him and make him a pocket passer and let him try to beat you, beat you with his arm instead of with his legs. So that that's something they're going to have to worry about on Sunday is containing fields and try to keep him in the pocket. Yeah. And I will say this too. I mean, you can give me your opinion. I think the Eagles still kind of struggle with the run, even with the two signings that they made, because when they made those signings, they went to Detroit and I think they still struggle with the run that following week. They've gotten better a little bit every week. But they, have like they, still, they have improved. They have improved. Ask for those running plays because it yeah. even happened last week and the butt whooping you guys gave the Giants. There were still plays I was like, man, I thought the Eagles signed like Joseph yeah. and I thought they signed a Dominican suit to like yeah. stop this and you're still giving yeah. up 20 yard rushes. Like, I, I just think that maybe Washington exposed your defensive line. Yeah. But the thing is, can people keep up with the scoring? Can people stop the scoring of AJ Brown and Devontae yeah. Smith and all that? But the Eagles are number one in sacks in the NFL with 49, and they do have one of the highest takeaways. So the Eagles' defense might sometimes give up the run and maybe uh, bend, but they're very good at not breaking. And to me, getting turnovers turnovers and sacks is huge. And the Hopefully they can contain the run. Like I said, that I would say on their defense, their strong suit is pass defense. I think they're stronger to defend the pass than the running game. But to beat them in a 60-minute game, you're going to have to do both on a consistent basis, in my opinion. Oh, no, no, no. And you're right. Like, I was going to say, like, if you look back at the Atlanta and Washington game, Washington should have lost that game single-handedly. But Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, them boys, one of them got their hand up, tipped the ball, and Fuller came down with a turnover. And they're one of those defenses. They're number four for a reason. They Sometimes they bend. But like you said, man, if your defense don't break, you know, if a team is driving on you every single drive, but, they're, but you know, 60% of the time, 50% of the time, they're just kicking field goals. But when you drive down the field, you're getting two or three downs, two or three field goals. You're going to win that game. And it's not even going to be – it's not even going to look like you convincingly won it the way you did because – the team still drove and got 400 yards, but you just didn't break at the time that the team on the opposite side needed you to. So that's why I was like, you know, it, it, this is also where you get into that point of that time, Chris, where you're like, who do you prefer to play? You know what I mean? Like, who do you prefer to play because of your strengths and your weaknesses? The Eagles shouldn't even be worried about strengths and weaknesses because the turnovers they get, the sacks that they get can make up for if they do get gas for a 20-yard rush. Yep, yep. Absolutely. And uh, note Chicago. I'm just, I'm hoping the coaching staff has them focused on Chicago because I know the Dallas game is coming up on Christmas Eve. And that's probably going to pretty well decide the NFC East division and probably the number one seed in the NFC. So the Eagles just have to focus on the Bears this week and worry about Dallas on Monday morning, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, hopefully it's not a trap game. I know Dallas Goddard's coming back, and I know C.J. Gardner-Johnson uh, might be back in a couple weeks. But having Dallas Goddard back, their big tight end, will help them against the Bears. But we'll see what happens. But it, to me, it's it's every game now means a lot for everybody. To me, it's playoff football now going forward to January, as of now. Oh, absolutely. Let me ask you this. What, okay, so a lot of people are picking Washington. You're probably also picking Washington just because when yeah. you look at the 
overall team. Yeah. You just both sides won. People, somebody made a great comment today. They're getting healthy. Washington is. A lot of the players were either limited or practiced. One of them, I think, didn't practice. And one of them right now is only – one player is only out. And that's an offensive tackle. But that's a Deke Charles. And he's been like an up-and-down tackle. So I'm not too worried about him being out. Um, only The only reason I would be worried about him being out is we don't have another tackle, I guess, in a sense, to like step up. But they will, they'll put, pick somebody up from the practice squad or something and sign just to have there and be ready to go. How do you feel that even if the Giants lose and you guys solidify the number one seed in a division in two weeks, do you think the Giants actually can still squeak in over the Lions if they win those those last two games or so? think if that game I just think if that game doesn't mean much for the Eagles, they're not gonna risk Kirk, Hertz, Brown, Smith. Sorry, Chris, I can't hear you. Guys, please bear with us. Sometimes uh Wi-Fi connections uh do happen. I think we're back, by the way, Edward. Yes. Uh, I think it's just going to depend on the Eagles' next two games. If they take care of business against Chicago and Dallas, uh, they're not going to really have anything to play for. Obviously, you don't want your starters getting hurt in a meaningless game. So uh, it's just going to—I'm I, I, just going to say it again. It's just going to depend on the next two weeks. Uh, if they um, they beat Chicago going to lose the Dallas, then they're still going to need to win to get that division because I really think the Eagles want the division and that number one C because there's only one team now get that gets the bye week and 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 it make the road to the Super Bowl or the NFC Championship game a lot easier having that divisional game in Philadelphia on a, a bye week and then if they win that then get to the NFC title game. So I think it's just going to depend on the next what happens in the next two weeks with the Eagles games against uh, the Bears and and the uh, Cowboys. Yeah. And then after that, they and then they and then they play the Saints. They play the Saints and the Giants at the link. So those games could mean something, but they also could be meaningless for the Eagles as well. Yeah, and then here's the thing too, like Washington, they have Giants, they have the um 49ers, they have the Cleveland Browns at home, and then they got Dallas at home. So their next three out of the four is at home, and they got Dallas at home, but that's a to be determined date and time. And I think that's because, like you said, it, I, I don't know who does these schedules, but obviously they're very smart. If that game against the Bears does not go the Eagles' way and the Eagles lose to the Cowboys, now that Cowboys-Washington game means a whole lot more to the Cowboys than it does to Washington because if Washington can win on Sunday night, Washington honestly only has to go two and two, in my opinion. They got to go two out of the next four, in my opinion, to get into the playoffs. I say that because if you beat the, the Giants, you got the head-to-head, so you're really not worried about that with them. And then you would be 2-2-1 two, two, and one in the division, right? So at that point, you have a 500 or more record in a division over the Giants, who would be 0-3 or 0-4-1 without a division win. Um, actually, wait, are they already 0-4-1? So they would actually go to, what, 0-5-1 or something like that? So the Giants would be doomed because the division record would suck, and Washington would at least be 500 in the division at that moment. So that's why I was like, if we win Sunday night, and some way, somehow, find a way to beat the 49ers or at least just win against the, the Browns, at that point, you're 9-6-1. and one. The worst case that can happen is you go 9-7-1. and one, You won't be below 500 at the end of the season if you can win two games. And I think the first to nine gets in 
And then it's whoever it is fighting for that seven seed. I think Detroit's going to get the seven seed. I don't think the Giants are a playoff team this year. And uh, the way they're playing right now, on my opinion, is the Lions are going to get that seven seed. Washington will get six, Detroit seven. And that's my opinion. Yeah, because, I mean, even two weeks ago, you know, when me and you was talking, Washington was on the outside looking in. It didn't look yeah. like that. Not that it didn't look like, but it would be hard for them to get the six seed. But the bye week just came at the right time is what happened. Okay, I want to ask you this, Edward. Since we're on the subject of the Giants Washington game right now, what are your uh, keys to a Giant? Or sorry, what are your keys to a Washington win over the Giants Sunday night at uh, FedEx Field? Okay, so I'm gonna be honest. I need to see them repeat what they did to the Eagles. Control the clock. That means you got to have that ball for 35 plus minutes. Scott Turner's got to call a heck of a game. Run, 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 run. Gas the Giants. They can't stop the run. Whatever their reasoning is, they just can't. When they had Williams had um, the other guy in there, they still couldn't stop Brian Robinson. They still couldn't stop Antonio Gibson. They were gashing the Giants like it was crazy for the run. I don't understand why they got away from it in the overtime game when Williams was taken out and got hurt. But in my opinion, run the ball. I think Taylor Heineke cannot have more than one turnover. I would prefer him not to have any, but he cannot have more than one. Um and honestly, at the end, when you get to the end zone, you cannot take field goals. You got to take touchdowns. Just that simple. You got to push the ball into the end zone. You have to run it down the Giants' throat. You have to make them feel like every time you're in that red zone, you're getting seven points. Because if you get seven points early and you continuously get seven points, you're going to beat the Giants. And the other key, Taylor Heineke's got to stop missing those open throws. Like, those, those open throws is killing us. I get that he... He has that grit at the end of the game. He 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 helped us come back against them, and he's a quarterback that just doesn't give up. But there's going to be some games where he just – when you miss those receivers, it's going to cost you. And I think this is one of those games he cannot miss receivers like that. He's going to, okay? He's going to. That's what Taylor Heineke is. But he's got to miss less of them than he has in the past. What is the future of the quarterback situation in Washington after this year? Um, obviously, Carson Wentz, to me, is a question mark. Heineke, is he the long-term solution? Do you keep both of these guys? Do you keep one of them? Do you draft the guy in the uh, – uh, do you draft a quarterback in the draft in 2023? So here's, here's what I say. I, I've told people this. If Carson Wentz is not willing to take a pay cut and restructure his deal so that we're not giving him $28, $30 million, he's got to go. It's not that I don't like him. It's not that I think that his season has sucked because he only really played five weeks. We really don't know what he was going to look like in Washington's office now that we have a running game, to be honest with you. You know, what he would look like in 17 weeks out of the, you know, minus the bye week. But I think that they have to move on. That's a lot of money to be, like, just sitting there saying we're willing to give somebody. Like, I get it. Quarterbacks cost these days. But rookies don't cost that much. and. I think that, you know, look, they got Sam Howell sitting on the bench. Um, I, I like Taylor Heineke as a short-term solution, not a long-term solution, because he gives me too many heart attacks every Sunday and Monday and all those games. I think they wind up – so I think, honestly, they wind up moving on from one of them. And I think if it's anybody that you're going to move on from, it's going to be Carson Wentz, because if you move on from him, you can sign Taylor Heineke to another two- or three-year deal. He could be your backup for whoever the rookie is that's starting for you. Um you know, there's a lot of teams like the Lions who I'm hearing the Lions may not even move on from Jared Goff now. No, no. From the sounds of it, from what I've been told, the way he's playing, he's playing as good, if not better, than his Super Bowl season uh, with the Rams a couple years ago. So as of now, 
unless something happens the last four weeks, to me, golf will be back uh, with the Detroit Lions. But I don't work for the organization. But that's my gut feeling. Well, your gut feeling and the reports that me and you have both heard, I think even if they go two and two or one and three down the stretch, he's still back because they still see what he can do with the offense that they have. Yeah. So, absolutely. So he also didn't have his rookie receiver either. So I think that I think a lot of people that thought the Lions would go and get a quarterback is that team that won't. The Jacksonville Jaguars won't go get a quarterback. I mean, I think they're oh. gonna stick with Lawrence until his yeah. rookie deal is up and maybe they pick up his fifth year and see what he can do. Um they had a lot of money they spent last year. I think they still got a lot of money to spend next year. Justin Fields is not going to be gone. The Bears are pretty much trying to solidify a team around him. There's a lot of teams that people thought were going to go get quarterbacks that won't, which I think now when you look at the top five, top six quarterbacks, there's going to be some quarterbacks that are going to slip down the board, and that's why that's a great question that you asked. Washington making the playoffs may wind up drafting in the top 20, but it could be one of those years where – you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're the, you're, you're the New England Patriots, and you can get a quarterback with that 20-something pick. And do you do it, or do you see what Sam Howell has in him? You know what I mean? I wouldn't mind having a rookie push another rookie in a sense and Taylor Heineke in the, in, 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 as, a third, as a third quarterback, maybe your second quarterback. Because if you see – if your rookie that you draft in the first round next year does something for you, then you got that rookie, you got Sam Howell, and then you still got Taylor Heineke. I just think that at some point they got to see what Sam Howell can give him. If he's nothing, then you just move on from him. It's not like he's costing him anything. He was a fifth-round pick. So, This question I had to ask you too, Edward. What is your overall assessment where the Commanders franchise is heading with their ownership and their management team and obviously Ron Rivera and the coaching staff? So according to – and I'm not lying. According to a source that I've reached out to um, – it was a full sale that was happening and that he hired Bank of America to not only explore just selling options, but to sell the entire team. Um, now, in the recent weeks, I know a lot. some reports came out that, oh, they didn't believe that Dan may be selling the whole team. But then reports came back out that, no, he is selling the whole team because the Bank of America is moving along with the purchase um, process, with like the full sale process, which that tells me the team is going to be sold and he's selling the entire team. No bank moves forward with the process to sell the team and the entire team just to do that. Like, this is not minority ownership. This is not. There's no owner out there that wants to get their name put on four investigations. Who would come in and sign away at that? Like, nobody wants that. You would want to come in at a clean slate, and a clean slate means a full sale. You are the owner. You you have say over a lot of stuff. And I think, in my opinion, the front runner is Jeff Bezos with – um with um lord i can't even think of his name jay-z and i think there was even like a movie star that's like now like popped in and wants to have some ownership i think washington's in a great position they're in a prime position to have different owners come in i know people said jeff bezos and his little like i guess break and bathroom issue with amazon i i feel like okay that's the issue but it's, it's that issue is a lot smaller than dan snyder and sexual harassment allegations like I'm just sorry, it is. Like, as, as between the two, Jeff Bezos is one that can be fixed and and, and married and, and it'll be gone. Dan Snyder's would never be gone because no. that sexual harassment allegation didn't just start with him, but it, it even ended where there was a radio, I think, play-by-play -play guy that even got fired because of him being involved. So I think I think by next year in March, um, we'll see a new ownership at some point in March because come April, 
um, they have to do the draft. And then, you know, they have to um, verify and sign off and approve the new ownership anyways. And I'll throw this out there as a wrench too, um, Chris. If Jeff Bezos comes in as a new ownership, there is a potential that there is going to be a Black Friday football game. I wanted to speak to you about this. I put my opinion on social media last night, and I'm a fan of Sunday Night Football. I, I like what they've done with Monday Night Football with Buck and Aikman, and, and it's improved. But Thursday Night Football is awful. And, and seeing teams only get three days in between games like the Niners is ridiculous. To me, I'm, I'm very opinionated, Where You don't have to agree with me on this. I love the Sunday night games. I love the Monday night games. Keep the Thanksgiving three games on Thanksgiving Day and have the odd Saturday game uh, for the regular season or playoffs. But Thursday night football, to me, has been a failure even before uh, Amazon Prime, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I've had my opinions about Amazon Prime. I didn't think that the Thursday night football games on Amazon looked great, number one. Um it just seemed like it was a confusing type of set. It seemed like they were confused. Not what they were talking about. It just didn't have the feel that a Sunday night game like would have or a Monday night game would have on a Thursday. Um, obviously, I think they added in those Thursday games a couple of years, you know, years ago to, A, I think speed up the, the season a little bit, um, B, to kind of give two bye weeks in a sense in one season. Um I, I do kind of like the Black Friday game only because it's kind of like Thanksgiving, right? It only happens once a year. Now, if they do Black Friday and it picks up steam and they start doing a Thursday and a Friday game, then that's where I'm, I'm with you, Chris. Then we're doing too much. Like, I, I'm fine with three games on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And if Jeff Bezos, you know, owns Washington, from my understanding, if he owns Washington, there's a big chance that they do a Black Friday game. Again, I'm fine with the Black Friday game because the Black Friday game typically will happen during that holiday week where I think even, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think during the, the not Christmas, during the um, Thanksgiving week, I don't think we have college football. And if we do, that's fine. But I don't know. I, I do like the Black Friday game only because I do like, I think the fact of the matter is Dallas has played every single year on, on Thanksgiving. And I think the problem with that is people are like, well, Dallas is the one team that's always there. Detroit is the one team that's always there. But then there's no other new teams that play. There's no other teams that come in and really get a chance to play. And I think that's why they was like, well, if, if Jeff Bezos owns the team, there's a chance there's going to be a Black Friday game with Washington owning that game every year. Okay, here's another question I wanted to ask you, Edward. Black Friday game, obviously Washington would probably most likely be involved. How many games would you do? Do you do one Black Friday game, two or three? To me, if you're going to do a Black Friday game, do one so you can emphasize the importance of it. Because, I don't know, to me, the NFL, it's a money-driven league, obviously. But to me, quality should be important for the fans and also player safety, too. Yeah, a Black Friday game wouldn't feel right to have a 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock and then an 8 o'clock game for two reasons. One, the the meaning of the Black Friday game is people go shopping, right? People, like, the, the meaning of the Black Friday is people go shopping. So that means people may buy tickets and go to the game. So let's not let's not even lie here. If the Black Friday game is a, is a game that's ran and owned by Jeff Bezos in Washington, we know one thing. It's going to be in Washington every year. That's where the game is going to be played, right? So then you drive up the sale, you drive up the ticket revenue for Jeff Bezos and a new team. And who knows when this happens? I'm not saying it's going to happen next year, but if it happens within the first couple of years of him owning, there's a chance that you also are going to have a new stadium too. So 
there's a lot that has to be worked out there. But if it happens, I think you stick with an 8-20, 8-30 game for here's one reason why. It's on a Friday. It's at the end of the work week. Everybody's coming home. Everybody will be like, okay, I'm coming home. It's Friday. I got to watch this game because it's, it's a night game. And nobody particularly will have to go to – I mean, God forbid, you know, but here's the people that will have to go. Firefighters, police, nurses, those people who have to work weekends, you know, at other organizations as well, like football and basketball, they will have to go to work. But people who don't have to work weekends are going to, like th – th it's going to be on the calendar. Put it that way. Every year that game is going to be on the calendar because people want to watch night games. It's just that simple. Like you said, it's the revenue. So I think that at this point – I wouldn't do a one o'clock game. I wouldn't do a four o'clock game either for another reason. Most people go back to work a day after Thanksgiving too. Some people go back to work. Nobody wants to miss that game. So I think Absolutely. one game is the best way to go if they're going to do it. Absolutely. I agree with you there. Uh, I get that leads to my next question. I wanted to ask you this, Edward, but which teams in the AFC and the NFC could be a dark horse teams in the postseason in both conferences. I just want to get your affiliate feelings and thoughts on that. Uh, let me see a dark horse in the NFC because see, there's just so many good teams, you know, and, and in my opinion, a dark horse will have to be somebody that's outside of the fourth seat outside of the top four seeds. But my problem in the NFC is, is that I don't, I don't like the bucks. I just think that that's a team. And I think me, you talk about it, that's a team is going to win a division at nine and eight or eight and eight and nine, and, and hold still a playoff game, and still get a playoff game, and still get a playoff home game. I don't agree with Washington that. Washington can mess around and finish at 10, 7 and ten six and one, I'd and not to... get a home game, but have a better record overall than the Bucks. Like how crazy mm -hmm. is that? Which is why I said I think they have to look at that in the next couple. If I was any anybody involved in choosing those things, I'd be like. We got to take away guaranteed home games. We can still have the one through seven, but we got to take away guaranteed home games just because you win a division. You need to have a better record than the team that's behind you to get that home game. Um, but again, me and you talked about this, Chris. That's just our opinion. There should not be a team with a loser record playing a team with a winning record, and they got to play on the road. Um, because obviously the team with the loser record had a harder season and didn't do as much. So, but if I had to say a dark horse, I got to go with like the Lions of Washington because those teams, are just, they have nothing to lose. Once you get in, it's winner, it's winner lose. And True. those two teams have a defense that I think a lot of teams don't want to talk about, don't want to play. But you know, if you've heard on Good Morning Football, Good Morning America, Washington's defense, Detroit's defense is a team I wouldn't want to play because when you have nothing to lose, you leave it all out there. And the Absolutely. AFC and the AFC um might be tougher. It's tougher, but I think if the Chargers get in, you gotta watch out for them. Good selection. Um, good selection. I think um, I don't even know where um, the Bengals are, but we got to remember that the Bengals kind of started the same way last year. They're playing uh, great now. They're nine and four, and they got uh, Chase back and yep. their offensive line struggled earlier in this year. The Bengals really, I don't really consider them a dark horse because they are the defending AFC champions, but everybody talks about Kansas City, Buffalo, or even Miami. Miami's kind of cooled off. The Cincinnati Bengals, I, I still don't consider them a dark horse after what they did last year, and they're playing really good football right now too, the Bengals. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. It's like the only reason I would consider them, a, consider them a dark horse, and I get what you're saying, like the definition of a dark horse is a team that doesn't even have a chance to really – go far in the playoffs or even like if they get in, do they even have a chance? 
you're right. The Bengals, like, the offense is just that good that they have a chance every game. Their defense isn't all that, but they do enough. Yes. You know, kind of, and that that kind of – the off, when you have an offense like the Bengals do, it can make up for what the defense doesn't do, um, which is why I tell people, man, if Washington's offense could just get on and score 28 points a game, they'll be a dangerous team moving forward because the defense is good enough. I mean, it's top five. But, um, yeah, you know, and, and I think people have to watch out, and this is a team that, you know, is – People feel like it's broken right now, but they're still nine and four. It's the Baltimore Ravens. Can't forget Absolute. about that's true. And Lamar Jackson should be back what in a couple weeks. Yeah. So even if they find a way to go one and one in the next two weeks, they could be an eleven and four team, you know, and they could still go twelve and five. They could still wind up, you know, um, and, and if you have the the records up, I don't even think there's a team in the East that's running away with the one seed. Right now, Buffalo and Kansas City are tied uh, ten and three. Buffalo has to tell uh, the tiebreaker with their win over Kansas City. Buffalo cannot afford to take anybody lightly. Same with Kansas City. It's going to be between Buffalo and Kansas City for that number one seed and number two seed, and then after that, three to seven. Who knows? I still am not sold on the New England Patriots as a playoff team. Even if they get in as a seventh seed, New England is not going to be a dark horse as far as I'm concerned. They got too many issues on their offense. It's been against bad teams. And uh, I know they got Belichick and stuff like that, but there's no Tom Brady uh, to save that team in the playoffs. So even if they get in, I do not see New England being a dark horse team. No, I don't. I mean, I was just going to say the same thing you said. The only reason they're dark horses, they would be considered a dark horse, is because they got Bill Belichick. That's it. Yeah. Um, but even with Bill Belichick the last couple of years, the New England Patriots have not been a team that I've even had on my mind because they just they seem like a team that anybody can beat. The Bears can go in there and beat them. <laughs> like, that's that's who the Patriots are now. They used to yeah. be a team worried about them once they got into the playoffs. Yeah. But they don't have Tom Brady, and I'm still not sold on Mac Jones. And he doesn't have a lot of weapons. They obviously have Stevenson and Harrison Harris who can run the ball, but they don't have an offense that scares you. Their defense is not bad, but they're not dominant. There's not Richard Seymour. There's not Teddy Bruschi, William McGinnis, Ty Law. You know what I mean? They used to be loaded up on defense, and you you knew how good they were. But to me, if New England gets in, they're not going very far in the postseason. I think they'll be one and done. In my opinion, I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I think they will be. I don't think they can go up against the Buffalo Bills, a Kansas City Chief um, type of team, you know, Kansas City Chiefs. I think those teams just can put up too many points on them. Um, and we have to – we can't even forget that Buffalo hasn't had Von Miller, and they still manage to be the number one seed right now. They're going to get Von Miller back. No, he's out for the year. He uh, had uh, surgery, and they found out he tore his ACL, so he's oh, done really? for the year. So they're going to have to have guys like Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, step up their games. I think they do have the depths to do it without Von Miller. Obviously, it's not going to be as easy without Von Miller because he's a Hall of Fame linebacker and he was leading them in sacks with eight. But I, I do think Buffalo still has the depths uh, to do it and stuff like that as well. Yeah, I, 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 man, I didn't know he tore his ACL. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So if he that, then Buffalo, then, that, then any team that plays Buffalo, that game is wide open now because they don't have their finisher. But I still think Buffalo has too many pieces on offense is my is my thing. I, I don't know if Buffalo can beat Kansas City a you know an, again, especially in the playoffs. Um, if it's in if it's in Buffalo this time, I think they can. But if they have to go back to Arrowhead, or I think they changed the name of the state, I still call it Arrowhead. But if they have to go back to Kansas City 
or even have to go to Cincinnati. I, I really think who has home field advantage this year in the AFC playoffs that will help them in getting to the Super Bowl possibly. But I, I really think one of those three teams that's going to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC, either going to be Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City. I put Kansas City third because Cincinnati has beaten them two straight times, and I think the Bengals know how to beat them. Buffalo is capable of beating the Chiefs as well, but right now I have Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City as the top three teams in the AFC. Yeah, so like I said, my dark horse is the Chargers, only because I just think that they might sneak in. I, I For a second, I thought the Raiders were going to sneak in because they were playing good football the last couple of weeks. They <laughs> <But laughs> fell apart against Johnny Menzel and the Rams. Baker Mayfield and the Rams, yeah. Or Baker 90, Mayfield. Yeah, 98-yard yeah, drive. Yes, that, that's crazy. That's insane for what he did. Only being there for two days. To me, uh, I know it's everyone saying it's on the players, but the coaching staff, you had undisciplined penalties. You you didn't. A losing record as a head coach with Denver and the Raiders. And he's lucky Al Davis isn't around because if Al Davis was still running the Raiders, the late Al Davis, I think Josh McDaniels would have been fired by now, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Like I told people like, you know, I know Ron Rivera doesn't like have this flashy records and stuff to people. I was like, but if you think about it, this man has not lost. And you correct me if I'm wrong. He has not lost a primetime game in Washington since he's gotten here. When's the last time Washington has been undefeated on a primetime record with their head coach? Like that's that's a change. That's what you call discipline. <laughs> that's been a long time. Uh, so, all right, uh, and we're are you still good for a few more minutes. I got a few yeah, hockey absolutely. questions. A few hockey yeah, questions. I'm good for another 10, 15 minutes. Okay, perfect. Had to ask you this one. In Canada, this would be a huge deal. Thoughts on Ovechkin getting his 800th regular season goal, which is just amazing, even in this era, and becoming only the third ever NHL player after Gretzky and how to reach the milestone. And do you think Alexander Ovechkin gets enough respect in the United States and also in Washington? Because he's one of the greatest capital players. He's, he is the greatest capitals player of all time. And 800 goals, uh, only two other guys have ever done that in the National Hockey League. Thoughts? So here's my first thing. Ovechkin is the greatest player to ever hit the land in D.C. sports. He has done something that, in my opinion, outside of baseball, no other player has done for this city. He has stuck with one team the entire way. He has solidified his career well before he even won that Stanley Cup. Ovechkin yes. was already, in my opinion, a Hall of Famer without yes. the Stanley Cup. But when the, cup, the Stanley cup, cup adds to it, yeah. That was it. Like, there was no way people could argue it. The only reason, and Chris, you'll agree with me here, the only reason people argue about Ovechkin not being the greatest personally to them is because they hate that he's not on their team. Any team that has an Ovechkin on their team, put it this way, if Toronto had Ovechkin on their team, they'll probably win the Stanley Cup. If Columbus Blue Jackets had Ovechkin on their team, they'll probably win the Stanley Cup. Ovechkin is the greatest NHL player. And I'm not saying this because I'm a Washington fan. I'm saying this because he just signed a new deal. 
He's going to be in Washington, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, for the next four years. He doesn't even have to average. Now that he's at 800 goals, the next couple of seasons, Ovechkin doesn't even have to touch 50 goals no more to no. even Bretzky's record. On average, right now, if I'm if I'm correct, and I think he signed a five-year deal. So he's playing one year of his five years. Ovechkin only has to score 25 goals the next four years to break the record. That's not counting. We're only 30 games in right now, if I'm not mistaken, 30, 31 games in. He still has a lot of season right now to go to even to get to 40, which he probably will do. What's he at now? So season this year only makes it easier down the road for him to break the record. Well, how many does he have right now this year? Season 20, so I think, yes. Wow. 20. That's And how old is he now? What, 37, 38? I think he, that's what I said. I think he's like 36, 37 or something like that. Wow. And he got that that's new deal into his 40s. Well, to me, they should, as soon as his career is done, his number needs to be retired, and they need to have a statue of him as well. Because you're right. To me, he is the greatest Washington capital of all time. They've had a lot of great players there. But to me, what he's doing is special and, and stuff like that, like 800 goals. Hey, I'm a Steve Eiserman fan, and, and if he didn't get hurt, he could have probably scored 800. He scored 692. Brett Hall scored over 700. Yermer Jagger, 744. Only very special players get to 600, 700, 800, or even 900 goals. And uh, Wayne Gretzky might have gotten over 900 if they didn't lose that one year in 94, 95. But this isn't about Gretzky or uh, Gordy Howe. I, mean, I just wanted to mention... Ovechkin, if he did this in Canada, this would be huge. And I was just wondering why there hasn't been more attention paid to what he did. 800 goals is a huge achievement in any sport, like professional sports. That's like hitting I, 600 home runs, 700 home runs in baseball. Right. I think that I think it has been paid attention. I think the problem is is that it, it, if if it's outside of Washington, if it's outside of the DMV, as we say, you know, people who are like born and raised here, like myself, if it's outside of this area, people don't talk about it enough. Um, other markets are not going to blow his success rate thing up. Like, um, you know, if I was back home, I'd be like, look. Ovechkin on the Boston Bruins or not, you have to talk about this because 800 goals, like you said, is 800 goals. Like not yeah. many people are going to get to 800 goals. Only only three now, only three. So, and and I've been telling people, I said, once Ovi gets to 800 and then the season is out, regardless of how the, the season finishes for Washington, there's a chance he could finish the season at 825. If yeah. he finishes the season at 825, I think by the end of his career, he gets to 900. I think he's. I think he solidifies a new record that people have to beat. Like I don't think he'll if when he if and when he gets to eight ninety four, eight ninety five, that it's going to stop there. I think he's going to wind up at that 900, 915 goal mark, and people are going to be like, "Well, now who's going to get to a thousand? You know what I mean? Like who's going to get to a thousand goals in their career? Because yeah, Ovi has so much left. It's just just the just when you thought him, just when you thought Sidney Crosby. When just when you thought these players were done, they're not done, and they're old. They're not. They're not. They're not this twenty-one-year-old that just got drafted, nineteen-year-old coming from the NHL. They're still in their high thirties, and they're still producing like they were twenty years old when they first came in. The only thing that could stop him, and this would go for anybody else, is injuries. If Alvechkin can stay healthy, because you just never know. 
in hockey, the physical sport, fast sport, injuries could slow him down as well. But right now, anything he gets is gravy as far as I'm concerned. And and uh, <laughs> right now, right now he could just focus on getting the Capitals uh, winning. I think that was a big thing, getting that 800 score out of the way. Now he, all he can do is just focus on helping the team and, and getting the Capitals into a playoff spot. But it, it's just going to say, Ovechkin, you've had a lot of great athletes in Washington. But you really think Ovechkin might be the greatest athlete to ever play for a Washington pro sports team? Yeah, I mean, just when you when you look at it, I mean, if I go back to the to the Washington, you know, back then when they were called the Redskins, I mean, you got Sonny Jurgensen, you got John Riggins, you got Art Monk and all those players that did nothing but bring Super Bowls back to the town. And I greatly appreciate them. Let me not sit here without saying I greatly appreciate them. The last one is when I was turning one years old, you know, I mean, so I greatly appreciate everything they did for that franchise before I was born, when I turned one. And um, I greatly appreciate anything that is being done now by that franchise. But when I look in my eyes for the 31 years going on next year, 32 years I've been on this earth, I have not seen a greatest player or a player that's greater than Ovechkin right now. I mean, in the, in, in the, in the, when you look at somebody that's able to step outside their game and go into the community, I think about Ovechkin. When when I think about the greatest player on the ice, I think about Ovechkin. When I think about somebody who can joke about stuff and also still take the game very serious, I think about Ovechkin. And I said it the other night. I don't think Ovechkin really cared about his 800 goal because he wanted to win the game. Like, And when I have a player like that that's like, yeah, success is success, Like, I don't hear the excitement out of his voice when the game was over. And maybe that's just because the game was just finished or because he's still trying to catch his breath. But when I heard him talk the other night after getting 800, he seemed like he was just more happier that his team was winning. You know, and I said it earlier when we started the show. They lost last night, but still, I think that they're still a formidable team because they're one point outside of the playoffs right now. They're four points to six points outside of being in the Metro again. And that Dallas team is, they lost to a very good Dallas team. Washington outshot them 46-26. They ran into a hot goalie. And as you know, Edward, in, in sports, if you run into a hot goalie, hot pitcher, hot quarterback, any team can be beaten. And and that's all it was yesterday is they ran into a goalie that was on his A game against a, a, a Capitals team that's playing better hockey. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's funny you say goalie. Like, I told people, I put up a poll yesterday and I said to people, I said, if Darcy Kemper's ready to come back, but Charlie Lind- Lindgren is playing the way he's played, I mean, do you go back to Darcy Kemper or do you say we don't take Darcy Kemper as our number one for now until something tells us we have to put Darcy Kemper back? I think the only reason they put Darcy Kemper back is because they signed him to be their long-term answer. And the last thing you want to do is get into a goalie's head like him that once he, if he gets hot, can do what he did in Colorado. Quickly, I'm going to wrap this up in, a, in two minutes, Edward, but I wanted to ask you about this as well. What are your impressions of the 2022-23 Capitals team so far, and do you see this team being a playoff team? I do think they're a playoff team now that I've seen what they're capable of doing. Right now, they have to be more of a defense first, offense second type of team until they get back to being healthy. Then I think they can split it down the middle. Um they have a chance. I do think that they can get back into the Metro. They just got to get on another four or five game winning streak to pick up ground. I think they started making up ground when and where they needed to. And I posted something on Twitter the other day. I said, Washington has to have a formidable winning record in December to really make themselves another contender in the playoffs to even make the playoffs. Like if they're going to make the playoffs, they had to have a 500 record in December right now. They're on pace to do that. Okay, definitely. And, um, 
this one I wanted to ask you quickly. Who have been some nice surprises on the Capitals, and who are some players that have struggled so far this season that need to get going for this team to compete for a playoff spot in the Metro I Division? Think, I think Connor Sherry continues to be an impression for me since he left the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think Dylan Strong continues to impress me, even though when he shoots the puck, it's hitting the post a lot, but that still tells me that he's doing what he needed to do. Um I think, you know, when Chicago got rid of him, they didn't know who they were getting rid of. And Dylan Strummer has been a very, very nice piece. He's been reliable. Um, the struggles for me have been more so Darcy Kemper, not being the goalie he was when he was in Colorado. But I understand that, again, I'll say it, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, I think he needs to be really, really good down the stretch. He's going to have to find a way to do that. So he's been a struggle for me. Um, and, and I hate to do this, but John Carson has become a liability when he's on the ice. I mean, yeah, when he scores goal, it's all nice, but he's become a big liability for that team. I mean, they lost in Seattle back when they were on the road simply because he was on the ice. <laughs> Once he was on the ice and that puck was turned over, he lost that game. They lost that game because of that. And he seems to just turn the puck over a lot. So I've, I've noticed on the winning streak that we didn't hear his name a lot. And that's, and I'm like, so the success for the team is if we don't hear about John Carlson, they win. When you hear about him, they probably lose. So I think at some point, in my opinion, they got to find a way to move on from his contract. I appreciate everything he did when he was in Washington, but they got to find a way to just move on and, and put that money somewhere else. If, if somebody's willing to pick up that $8 million a year, which they probably won't be. Last question I wanted to ask you. Uh, as for the Washington Giants game, I have Washington winning at 23-17 on Sunday night football. What are your thoughts on the Miami-Buffalo game, and should it be played in Orchard Park when they're expecting nine-plus inches of snow as well? Thoughts on that, uh, the, the the final score of the Washington Giants game, and quickly the Miami-Buffalo Saturday night game at 8-15. All right, well, our score is going to be close. I think Washington wins this one, actually, like 27. I'm going to go 27-13. I just think that they're going to get Chase Young back. They're going to get Benjamin St. Juice back. Um, I think getting their cornerback, you know, for the outside back is huge. They don't have to play the rookies and getting Chase Young back is going to be huge because then that means they can use their depth to win these get to win games down the stretch. Um, I think so. Yeah, 27 13 for me when it comes to Giants Washington. I think Washington wins that and their, their chance of making the playoffs, I think, goes to 90%. They said if they win Sunday night, which is pretty doggone huge. Um, Miami Dolphins Buffalo. Okay. They didn't play the game in Buffalo when they got like what six feet of snow, seven feet of snow. Yes. So, nine inches of snow is nothing. Compared to seven that's, feet, yes. Yeah. That's nothing compared to the seven feet they got. So, I think that's fine. I think they got to get used to just playing in snow. That's part of football. That's part of um, the game. It's the only game I know that we're playing in, in snow. Baseball won't do it. Um, no. Hockey will cancel a winter classic game if it was snowing outside like that. So, there's no way that the football, that the, the football league needs to get away from that. Um, as far as the Miami Buffalo, Miami Buffalo game and my score prediction for them, um, I think Buffalo comes out with this win in a hard fought game, but I think it'll be more so something like, um, cause Miami has to make up for what they did on the other night game, um, Sunday night. Um, I think this one is going to be more so like, mm, I'll give, I think Buffalo puts up 30. I think Miami puts up 27, but they lose by a field goal. 
I think it's going to be Buffalo 24, Miami 17. The Bills did bring back Cole Beasley as well because uh, Isaiah McKenzie, their third, their slot receiver, was dropping a lot of passes. And for me, the Bills' issue this year has been guys that are dropping passes a lot, missed opportunities, and uh, that's why they brought back Cole Beasley. I think Miami's still going to be competitive, uh, even with the weather conditions in Orchard Park. But I have the Bills winning 24-17 in a close game in a seven in one score difference game. Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, three points, seven points, that's literally a one-score game right there. So I think that's a pretty good um, prediction as well. I think okay. Miami's going to be competitive too. Definitely. Hey, Edward, we'll definitely have you on again, and we'll talk more Capitals and maybe Nationals next time. But I want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on Season 5, Episode 7. This is my 227th episode. Where can my audience find you again on social media if they want to follow you? So my main platform um, that you can find me is on Twitter. So if you search at Edward Ford underscore TV, um, you'll find me there. Um, and don't worry. I know Twitter has been changing and everybody can get verified. If you go into my profile, two ways to, for you to realize it's me is number one, you'll see my title of the news station I work for um, and everything up there. You'll see, you know, a few other things like my name. If you see on the score TV, that's me. And then if you click on the verification, It'll tell you why I'm verified compared to the new verification just because people pay for it, of course. That's how you know it's me. So if you want to follow me, go on Twitter. That's the main part. Um, I go on Facebook sometimes. You can search my name, Edward Ford, but mainly you'll find me on Twitter. Twitter. You can even find me on LinkedIn if you search my name. You'll see that um, my LinkedIn says I work for Fox 61 News. Okay. And how are things going at Fox 61 News briefly before it's I wrap going it up? Great, man. Um my contract is up next year, but I think I'm going to wind up resigning because I just, I like where I'm at. I love my leadership. I love everything that's happening there. I'm able to get my, my hands on um, different types of shows. I was able to help produce the Juneteenth special we had this year. Um, and we were also, um, I was also able to be out in the field and field produce our greater heart for St. Patrick's day parade this year. So it's been a great year on top of producing really great shows. And I get a lot of people reaching out to me from other news stations wanting to hire me. So it, it's obviously been going really good. And right now it's, um you know, Emmy time. And, you know, so I even sent the email back to my news director saying, look, I had a lot of, you know, a lot to do with our Juneteenth special, you know. And if, if the station submits it, I would love to submit and have my name put in there for a possible Emmy. So we never know what's going to happen next year. You know, fingers crossed. Definitely. But hey, we'll definitely have you come back on again in the future and talk more sports, maybe a little more about the Wizards and the Nationals as well. And uh, we'll see what happens with the Commanders. They will be in the playoffs this year. It's whether it's the, the sixth or seventh seed. As for the Capitals, uh, we'll f I think they'll, they'll be okay as long as they get healthy and uh, and uh, they, they continue to win games, which I think they will as well. But hey, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas or happy holidays and uh, all the best to you in 2023. And uh, really enjoyed having you on uh, my podcast again. I really appreciate your time as well. Oh, man, Chris, I appreciate you. Um, I just want to say same thing to you, man. Happy holidays. Stay safe. As you and I know, COVID is still a thing out there with the flu season here as well. Yeah. Um, everybody that's watching and that sees us later, you guys have a happy, happy holidays. Merry Christmas and New Year's. And those resolutions that you guys put up, you know, your New Year's resolutions, make sure they are something that you really are shooting for and shooting to hit in 2023 because goals, goals, goals is what we have to do. And that's my goal is to be in radio and uh, I'm working hard, as you know, Edward, into getting more you, responses to the show. And uh, sorry. 
you will get there. You will get there. And the day that you get there, make sure you email or send me something. I want to come on that show, man, and congratulate you and let people know how hard you worked at it. And the age is nothing but a number, but success is more about how you pursue it. I, well said. I couldn't say it any better. But again, I really enjoyed talking to you again. And uh, I'm looking forward to the football games this weekend, especially the Sunday night game uh, between Washington and New York. And uh, and just going to be a great time of the season as well with a lot of uh, NFL games going on as well. But again, I wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and we'll definitely keep in touch with you on uh, Twitter as well. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. You have a blessed day. You too. Thanks, Edward. We'll talk to you soon. All right. See you later. Bye. All right, guys. That was Edward Ford, my guest today from Fox 61 News in Hartford, Connecticut. He's a news producer and he's a huge, a uh, longtime uh, fan of the Washington Commanders, the Washington Capitals, the Washington Wizards, and the Washington Nationals as well. Before I wrap up this podcast show, guys, again, you can follow Edward on Twitter at Edward Ford underscore TV on Twitter. And also you can follow him on his station at fox61.com in Hartford, Connecticut as well. I'm just going to play a little bit of a clip of the preview of this big game Sunday at uh, FedEx Field in Washington between the Jets, or sorry, the New York Giants and the Washington Commanders. And this is basically going to be for a playoff spot uh, spot in the NFC uh, wildcard spot. Huge game on Sunday. One second. This clip is courtesy of the National Football League's YouTube channel. Two. I guess it wouldn't be a quarter then, but the last time Washington played, it was against the New York Giants. When they all walked off the field, sisters were cranking Iron Maiden everywhere and running for the hills. From 58, the nose kick is short. Oh. It wasn't just that they tied. It's pretty remarkable. Check this out. Taylor Heineke, 101.2 rating, couple TDs, no picks. Now Heineke over the middle, it's Dotson. Dotson spins, gets the end zone, touchdown! Daniel Jones, no picks, a touchdown, a rating of 104.3. To Barkley, Jones throws, end zone, touchdown! Washington averaged 4.6 a run. This is what I'm talking about. This is Washington Commander's offense. The Giants, 4.5 a run. Handing it off, Barkley, another first down, still going. Each team turned the ball over once. Heineke sacked five times. No way that Taylor Heineke's going to get out of his grasp. Jones, four. Forces Daniel Jones back inside for the rest of his defense to come and rally and make that tackle. The Giants' defense held Washington's offense to three for 14 on third down. Taylor Heineke trying to fit into a very, very tight window. Washington's defense held New York's offense to four for 13 on third down. There it is. Third down and two. Jones looking to run for the first down. They messed that up. And he will not get there. What's that tells you they could tie again. It wasn't a fluke. One team wasn't overly unlucky. They were just a nice Jerry Seinfeld, even Steven. Coaches and players don't know how to feel after tie games in the NFL. This would be a pretty short preview based on all that. New York at least played someone else in between, or that would be it. Giants fans would actually prefer that. The game they played in between didn't go great. Fourth and seven. Hurts lofts it for Smith. It's a touchdown! Their defense last week played like the goalie in those old Sergei Fedorov commercials. Miles Sanders couldn't stop him. Another carry for Sanders, and this one breaks loose. He's headed for the end zone. Touchdown! Jalen Hurts, the runner, couldn't stop him. Hurts takes off and gashes him. Touchdown, Philly! Jalen Hurts, the passer, couldn't stop him. Wants it all and has Brown. One player to get.
the end zone. Giants have only won once in their last six games. Saquon Barkley last week, 3.1 yards per carry on nine tries. That play was not going to be successful. And so it's third down and long. This is a weird game, being they just played and tied. The preview comes down to just score one more point than last time. Or hold the other guys to one fewer. This game got flexed into the Sunday night football slot. Lots on the line for both as they head to the stretch run. I'm predicting NFL.com writer Grant Gordon will call for a tie with the same score as last time. Will you put your prediction into the comments section for the world to see at any point? That clip was courtesy of the National Football League's YouTube channel. This game is 820 on Sunday Night Football on NBC with Mike Trinkle, Chris Collingsworth. Again, I have Washington winning this game 23-17 to 17 over the Giants. And as far as I'm concerned, the loser of this game, I don't think will make the playoffs. And the way the Giants are playing right now, I expect Washington to win Sunday night. And the Giants have struggled the last six games, one form one. And the Eagles uh, last week obviously destroyed them 48-22. to 22, And they had 232 yards on the ground against the Giants' defense and 250 on the air. So I look for Washington to win this game. 23 to 17 guys just to let you know i'm gonna let this the next live with cdp sports talk season five episode eight sponsored by barry cullen chevrolet is saturday december 17th tomorrow 9 45 a.m with my guest lauren kirschmeyer the buffalo bandits program coordinator for their dance squad at the Buffalo Bandits games at the Key Bank Center in Buffalo. I'm looking forward to speaking to Lauren about the uh, the Buffalo Bandits and what they look for in a bandette and their dance squad and uh, talk maybe a little lacrosse with uh, Lauren as well. So I hope you guys can tune in to season five, episode eight tomorrow at 9.45 a.m., with Lauren Kirschmeyer, again, the Buffalo Bandits program coordinator, who was nice enough to come on. And we're going to just, like I said, talk a little bandits, a little lacrosse, and about the dance team and what kind of what they look for in a, a dance squad member in the Buffalo Bandits. So, again, season five, episode eight, tomorrow at 9.45 a.m. Again, live with CDP Sports Talk is brought to you by Barry Cullen Chevrolet. 905 Woodlawn Road West in the Guelph Auto Mall. Check out BarryCollin.com for the newest selection of new and pre-owned GM vehicles as well. Or give them a call at 519-824-0210 and tell them that Chris Pome sent you there as well. As well, guys, live with CDP podcast. The audio version is downloaded to iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, CastBox, LinkedIn, Stitchered, TunedIn, and Podbean as well. And I want to say thank you, everybody watching this live streamed today on Facebook Live, on my YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you already haven't, on Twitch and on Twitter as well and normally i have it on linkedin but there was an issue with live streaming on linkedin today so but thank you to everybody watching this on my live stream platforms and later on on my audio platforms as well 
Oslo guys, StreamYard is the official live stream provider of Live with CDP Sports Talk podcast. If you're looking to do a podcast or do webinars, StreamYard is uh, the one I would definitely recommend. And they have really good customer service there and techs there if you need them. And I've been with them for two and a half years and counting now for my podcast show. Also, guys, you can follow me on TikTok at Live with CDP. That's at Live with CDP on TikTok as well. Again, I want to say thank you to Edward Ford, a uh, news producer for Fox 61 in Hartford, Connecticut, for coming on today and talking Washington Commanders and some Washington Capitals football and a little NFL as well with me as well. If you guys can give me about 10 to 15 minutes, I will have this podcast episode uh, downloaded to my audio platforms as well. And also, before I wrap this up, guys, Live with CDP Sports Talk is looking for more uh, sponsors in 2023. So if you're interested in coming aboard uh, my podcast show, I will put my uh, business card up here right now. And you guys can contact me here as well. And I want to say thank you to my friend Steve Tanatino in New York. Uh, for creating this business digital card for me as well. So anybody's uh, interesting in coming on a board as a sponsor for my podcast show, uh, just please contact me uh, through my uh, digital business card or on my social media websites as well. And that's about it, guys. I'm going to wrap this podcast show up. And uh, I want to say Thank you uh, to you, Edward Ford and everybody for watching and listening to Live with CDP Sports Talk today, brought to you by Barry Collins Chevrolet. I hope everybody has a great night, and we'll look forward to speaking to Lauren Kirschmeyer tomorrow morning at 9.45 a.m., live on my YouTube channel, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and on LinkedIn, as well as my 14 audio platforms as well. So if you're a, a National Lacrosse League fan and uh, want to learn more about the Buffalo Bandits and their dance squad team there, uh, please feel free to check out my uh, podcast show tomorrow again at 9.45 a.m. Eastern with Lauren Kirschmeyer. I hope everybody has a great night, and uh, we'll talk to you Saturday morning at 9.45 a.m. for another edition of Live with CDP Sports Talk, brought to you by Barely Barry Cullen, Chevrolet in Guelph. Have a great afternoon, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow morning for Live with CDP Sports Talk.